But anyway, let's uh, let's see what happens, all right? I got you. So I started recording now. Um, for those listening, this is episode seven, bonus content. So I just finished recording episode seven again, and I was asking a lot of questions about street photography, and I am blessed again with the presence of Don Stevie, uh, a great friend of mine now. I hope he feels the same about me, and we're just chatting about him setting up for his uh, photo exhibition. I was going to say, poor people, poor people, that <laughs> this is the bonus, a bonus, some bonus for them, uh, wow. having to listen to me again. Um, but um, You're too humble, but, sir. <laughs> always, always a pleasure um, to chat. I, I do appreciate it, again, taking your time out, your now busy schedule. Uh, but how is this whole process? Because uh, when we spoke last time, again, remember I told you, it's something I always wanted to do. So, if I ever get the opportunity to host my own exhibit, what do I have to look forward to? Frames, printings, all that. I understand. I'll tell you what I'm appreciating now is that why why artists die starving, <laughs> right? Because because it's expensive, right? Uh, and so the the business model that the gallery that I'm using or, or who contacted me for um, the exhibition use is that they sell space, right? So that's what the gallery does. Now, am I convinced that the gallery thinks that my pictures are wonderful? No. Am I convinced that their job is to sell space? Yes. Now, obviously, you know, they, they, they have to kind of balance that with what is it that they are going to be then showing and does it pull the punters in and so on and so forth. But their principal business model is to sell space. So on that basis, as the photographer that said yes, more fool me, um, I have to pay the gallery, right? Okay. And I selected, there's obviously various different uh, uh, space uh, uh, choices you can make, you know, a bigger space, a smaller space, or medium space, a smaller space. So I, I went with a small space because I thought for my first go round, let's let's keep it small. Um, so then you you know you pay that out, and and I, I don't mind telling everyone it was about six hundred bucks, right, uh, or sterling. Um, then you got to go print the images, right? So again, you know, I I, I grew up in the age of film, so I'm not some hipster. Um, that, that has only recently discovered film exists. No, 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 no. I, I grew up with it. Yeah, it was fun whilst it lasted. But then they brought out this thing called digital. And wow, that, that was much better, right? Um, but you have to go and get these pictures printed. And, and you can't just print them on any old uh, paper, right? And so I used to live on a, um, right next to actually one of the, the, the best uh, printers in, in London, Metro Im Imaging. Um, and they're used by the likes of, I don't know, the British Museum, uh, Vogue. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty pretty well yeah. known. High-end printing. Um, but, but, but reassuringly expensive, right? Uh, like like uh, an advert for a particular beer commercial, um, you pay for it. And so for the 24 images that I have selected, a4 size, so not, you know, we're not talking Small. massive here. Yeah. Uh, again, that came into about 300 bucks, okay? So I'm already 900 bucks in. I haven't got frames, right? So then I've ordered some frames. Uh, Amazon, Mr. Bezos, uh, uh, is going to be delivering those personally today in his space rocket. And I managed to secure 24 frames uh, of, of probably dubious quality, for under a hundred bucks. So let's just say, round it all up, a thousand bucks. So I'm a thousand bucks down. I then have to deliver these things to the gallery. I've got to hang them up. I've got to then swan around and talk to people like I um, want to be doing that, right? Arty type people, uh, uh, not that I am. And uh, you know, no, no offense to the arty type people who may be listening. Um, <laughs> And then the aim is to obviously flog the damn things, right? And so you've got to price, you've got to price your picture, right? I mean, how do you do that? So I, I basically uh, swung by the gallery the week uh, earlier, uh, 
ambled around, looked at some pictures of similar size, uh, similar content, you know, uh, and looked at their price and thought, all right, well, if you're going to charge that, I'll do the same. Uh, and so I priced my pictures accordingly. Um, now, whether I sell any of them is, is, is another matter entirely. But the aim of this is simply to try to make my money back. Um, and again, the reason why I did this was, you know, I said to myself uh, a number of months ago that when I was offered an opportunity, You're I would say, say yes. yes. My instinct that. is absolutely to say no. I'm too busy <laughs> just getting on with life and enjoying shooting, right? So, yeah. so that's kind of it. It's the, you, you, you spend your money on the gallery space, the printing, the framing, right? And then the aim must be that you try to make your money back, right? At the very least, yeah? Um, now, it'll be interesting. I, again, I've never never done this myself, right? Um, and, and so, you know, that's that's an experience that, that I'll enjoy, um, possibly, right? But let's see, <laughs> let's see. And I think, you know, there are obviously other ways of, of, of monetizing your pictures, you know? I mean, I, I, guess, I guess those with larger followings find it easier. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the zines or the workshops or what have you. But no. you know, this gallery uh, uh, approach uh, is you know again, it's just something that that I was offered. I said yes, and so let's see where that lands. Well, sir, I I would look at it as an opportunity. Definitely, now you're getting uh, views by those who don't use social media, the traditional people who like the galleries. And now they're uh, exposed to your photography, your photos, your style. Um, it does seem like it's expensive, but it's an experience and not everyone's given that opportunity. So my last, my last, well, the whole episode seven was a lot of questions. So uh, I'm sure some of these fall in there as far as like opportunities given. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think it's funny. It's funny in the, in the age where the the drift is certainly to the non fungible token, right? Yep, where NFTs. You can sell um, basically a a blockchain, a digital ledger, if you like, uh, of of something, anything, right? Um, it's interesting to uh, still retain a footprint in the physical right and you know i think that that's 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 nice i think it's it's good to do right i think um and you know galleries must be thinking uh, as well i think if their business model is to to sell physical things and then there's this marketplace that's opened up you know they, they've got to be worrying about their business model as well right so yeah. so i'm sure i'm sure we'll see galleries not only displaying um, you know the physical picture, a but print. The, the NFT. But I think all they'll they'll be digitally displaying the uh, NFT that uh, you, as a prospective uh, purchaser, may have access to. And 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 so I think it's going to be an interesting uh, confluence uh, of of the physical and non-physical over the the coming years. But um, but no, look, you know, this is just um, a bit of an experiment. Uh, you know, I said yes. Um, uh, and let's see how it goes. You know. Well, I hope you do make all your money back. You know, uh, I'm rooting for you. Part of good guys. And it's funny you said NFTs because I was about to ask you the question, and then I started going off about the traditional people, and then you brought it up. So you must be reading my mind. Great minds think alike. Uh, but I was going to ask you: Is that something? Or, or, or fools <laughs> differ that's the other one i think i think our listeners will, will make their own conclusions we'll, we'll leave it up to them <laughs> will differ, but there we go there we go but i was gonna ask you uh, have you ever considered creating some of your your photos on the nft I, I i mean you know this this is again it's, it's something that's, that's that's relatively new to me i mean i've seen some junk out there right <laughs> and, 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 and i've seen a lot of junk and <laughs> You know, I'm I'm a natural cynic, um, so so you know I see some of this stuff. I think, look, if if people have followers and they have a uh, enough kind of critical mass of people who believe in what it is that they're doing, 
irrespective of whether it's good or not, and, and again, you know, you can be the arbiter of what good is or not, you know, the, the viewers or listeners here. Uh, but once they've got that critical mass, then that gives them, let's say, the potential to monetize these NFTs. Um, you know, have I thought about that myself? Not really, right? I mean, I, I, think, I think for me, um, you know, I come at photography very much as a sort of a meditation on life. It's something that I do for enjoyment. Um, but I can very much uh, see how those who have, let's say, that critical mass of followers would use this as another vehicle for monetizing their artwork, right? Whether it be through prints, but also now the NFT route. Um, and, you know, they, they may be monetizing crap, but I have to sit back and applaud them because, you know, well done. They've, they've figured that out. They got the uh, formula. It's a vehicle to, to make money, right? So it's a good, good luck to them. Mm-hmm. Is that, so that's one thing I love talking to you is because you are the the no filter of the group. You are not scared to say what's on your mind, it, regardless if it hurts people's feelings or not. Um, I can be that way sometimes, but I try to tend to be more sensitive to people's feelings. So while sometimes I don't have a filter, I don't want to insult people intentionally, so I just stay quiet. So that's why I appreciate your personality. You are not afraid to call the baby ugly. I think. I think. Look, let's be honest, right? People tend to be insulted not the, 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 by what you're saying. It's. It's if there is no foundation in what you're saying, then 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 I'd agree. If I just come out and start calling calling people out or or items or or whatever it might be, and there is no reasoned explanation as to why I'm doing it. Then, then I can understand why someone could be insulted, um, and I'm very, very happy to have a, again, a rational debate with someone about about why I come to a conclusion. Uh, you know, and, and again, uh, I think it was Clint Eastwood, you know, in one of his movies that, that you know, opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got one, right? Uh, and I'm I'm a firm believer in that, right? I don't there's 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 much um, that, that can't be reasoned through. Uh, an argument had or a debate had, um, you know, the, the, the intention is never to insult, but it's simply to express uh, a point of view, um, uh, you know, whether whether it's liked or not, um, you know, I'm less concerned about, but I'm, I'm very happy to reason through why I I come up with that, uh, you know, that, that, that view. Well, I applaud you for it. Uh, it's... Especially now where cancel culture and, you know, people's freedom of speech are just, you know, kind of cut short because people's feelings. You can't say what you like because you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Uh, That kind of goes back on many of our fundamentals of freedom of speech in the States. So you're going to cancel someone for what you're saying. And like you said, we're all entitled to our opinions. If we think people's work is crap then we should be able to say it's crap without offending others uh unfortunately the world we live in people always they get offended too easily they, they, they do look i mean I, I'm, I, and also you know in, in saying all of this i make no grand claims about any of what i do right again mm-hmm. i do it purely as a meditation on life um you know if you think my pictures are rubbish then i'm happy you know, I don't mind. I, I, I'm indifferent, right? And, and again, um, you, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's just about doing something that you enjoy doing. Uh, and, 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 um, and, and so I'm, I'm less concerned there. In terms of cancel culture, I mean, look, I think, I think over the last year, two years, we've seen a number of things go on in, in, in the world of which are important and deserve uh, the airtime that they've got. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter in, in particular. Uh, I think, you know, we can be very, very clear here that there has been a, a long historic institutional neglect um, that has uh, disadvantaged a particular group of, of our um, society. Uh, and that needs addressed. And it needs addressed, uh, uh, you know, absolutely head on. Uh, and without shirking or hiding away from some of the um, the tough questions that, that that gives rise to, and and I think you know uh, uh, I think cancel culture 
yes, it's 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 something we need to be wary of, right? But equally, you know, we, we've got to do that in respect of of addressing some of the inequities that we've seen in our society. Uh, uh, and I would hold that paramount over and above, let's say, you know, having something that was, let's say, an offensive either monument or statue to something that uh, was, was, you know, uh, someone would have to walk past every day and go to work, and yet that person, their foundation was, was something that really undermined the, the very person who walks past it every day. And, and I, I could see how, for me, I, I would always give preference to that. And, and, and basically restoring the balance there and, 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 and removing that out of, uh, out of the public view. So I don't see it as cancel culture. I think there, there you, you know, yes, it belongs in a museum. And, and I'm talking more now about the, let's say, some of the, um, you know, the statues and such like. Uh, and we've got to learn from it. And we've got to, as a progressive society, address those inequities. And, and because people are living today, those those old statues, yes, they they are part of our culture. They are part of who we are, and 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 you know, in certain circumstances, we can't be proud. We can't look back at all our history and be proud. But but equally, you know, they are valuable elements of it, um, even if they are in, in in effect ugly. But if I think they offend or upset. Uh, uh, you know, people who exist today in our society, recognizing, you know, the inequities that we've, we've already mentioned, then, then we should address those uh, and give priority to those. Uh, I, and I firmly believe that. And, and, you know, in the in the previous podcast that, that uh, um, you know, we, we recorded, uh, you know, I'm very clear for me, diversity is absolutely essential in, in what makes a good society and what makes a good photograph, what gives us a great potential for street photography, right? That diversity of persons, people, cultures. Um, you know, I, I, again, I seem to recall saying it would be a miserable world if, <laughs> if, if we were all alike. And, and, uh, and so I'm a defender of that. Um, yeah. So I, I do agree. Diversity is needed for street photography. And that's what makes everything so different and so beautiful. Uh, I do want to applaud you for... Our earlier conversation in texting uh, in the little group we got going on for your for your two favorite photographers that you mentioned. I'm not saying they're your only two, but Andre Cortez and Renee Burry. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Yep. So a great, a great Hungarian and a, and a great Swiss um, photographer. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're, I, they're both very elegant for me. They're, they're um, and and they're very, um, you know, they, they they teach me so much. I mean, I think if I look at Curtis first, who for me is like my my absolute favourite. Um, you know, he's got a very gentle eye and and very clever, and, and you know, I, he does a lot of or or did a lot of shots from a high angle. In black and white, mm-hmm. um, and, and I love that. I, I mean, I just love the way he uses the shapes, the geometry of the um, topography, or, or the the broader scene, and then has that little person uh, secreted within it, uh, framed beautifully, uh, and it just as an image is really, really pleasing. Um, and you know, again, uh, Rennie Burry for me also does something uh, 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 akin to that. He did a series, I think it's uh, a set of stables. I think they're in Mexico. Yeah. San Cristobal. San Cristobal. I think they were. And they're beautiful. It's, again, uh, uh, you know, a little horse and a person leading the horse. And the colors. Colors, geometry. And, and for me, the images are just pleasing. And, and, and so... You know, they they inform very much what I look for when I, um, you know, take pictures. You know, I I probably don't have a great deal of humor in my pictures. Yeah, Uh, uh, I don't I don't necessarily at always you know capture the decisive moment as as Henri Cartier Bresson would say. But but what I do try to do 
is always just have a pleasing image, right? You look at it and you think, okay, that's that's pleasing. Um, and so and so both both of those photographers, you know, I absolutely adore their work, and and um, you know, I'd encourage anyone who perhaps hasn't uh, looked at their work to do so. Um, yeah. So I, I did bring that up in the actual episode seven um, on your recommendation, and pretty much I've been saying like. Since my previous podcast I recorded with Craig, uh, I started researching more into photographers from, I want to call like the originators of street photography going, dating back to them, um, Henry Carter Bassan. And these are two photographers. I've seen some of their photos, but I didn't know they were the makers of them. And when you gave me the recommendations, I started I've been deep diving, you know, into these, watching YouTube videos for uh, interviews, documentaries, and their work is, like you said, just so visually pleasing. And, you know, I was like, like, how can these photographers such back then make such great photographs with the equipment that they had, which not compared to today's standards, you know, as far as technical aspects, way the the quality back then was not as good now, as far as tech specs, sharpness, and all that other stuff. But I think their images are better, and, and that's just my opinion. And you know, I I, I kind of wanted to place the blame on people's pressures due to social media um, marketing. I'm sure companies, but. Uh, I feel the originators of these of the genre is is so much pleasing to look at. It doesn't look the same as as if I was to open Instagram and my feeds all, you know, color grading teal and pink street lights. I mean, it's a different world, right? I mean, I guess I guess it's a different world in which we live, and and, and I think I think there's a sort of a you know. So to take up your point on on equipment, I mean, I think um, Andre Curtis again, he was he was um, in the First World War, mm-hmm. um, and um, oh, I believe it was the first. It was. Um, and he he had to lug around one of these massive uh, format cameras, and, and what he did do though was, I think it was his brother recommended that he take the glass plates, these huge. Uh, uh, you know, silver-coated glass plates or, or whatever actually was used to capture that image and, and cut them into fours. And that's what he did. And so basically he was able to make his kind of full-format monster camera much, much more compact. And unlike some of the sort of the, the let's say, the core press photography teams at the time who would come after the battle and take pictures of the destruction and you know the the battlefield after the event you know he because he was able to cut those glass plates into smaller segments was able to then have them more readily available and and take pictures uh uh uh, with something a little bit more compact and so you know i think there's that kind of innovation that thought process that that goes into it um that, that helped inform some of these images i think also when you have to put a little bit more thought into the creation of the image then you're obviously going to be a little bit more, let's say, considered about what you're shooting, right? I think, you know, if you've got your, you know, your 50 megapixel Uber full frame camera connected to your, you know, million gigabyte Uber card, right? You know, there's a lot of spray and pray and and, and a lot less consideration given over to that. And I think for me, that's why, you know, having still film, out there, and again, I criticised it earlier um, because I've kind of done it, and 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 I find you know it's a bit of a fast for me. But I think it, it also is good because it gives you that discipline, right? It makes you focus with your twenty four or thirty six exposures in making sure that you don't um, waste an image. Uh, and so I think I think you know that's something that we can all learn from 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 those masters of the past. That you know the the, the equipment that they had, that constraint, in effect. Whilst it's a constraint, it's also liberating because what it does do is it makes you focus on on those fundamentals of framing and and, and 
you know, making sure that you've got the right exposure and uh, the, the, the subject at the correct moment and all the rest of it. And so whilst, yes, it is a constraint, it's also liberating in that regard. Um, it's one of the reasons why I like using my, my kind of, uh, uh, you know, how far I go in that constraint is probably my little Epson RD1, a little 6.2 megapixel um, uh, digital rangefinder that, that was actually the first uh, a digital rangefinder. And that, for me, forcing myself to use all 6.2 megapixels, making sure that you don't lose uh, anything in doing uh, or in, in executing the shot, for me, is my constraint. So I think the old the old sort of masters for me that's something that they they, they teach uh, very much because you, you you have to make use of your available equipment and be more mindful uh, of your framing and all the rest of it and then the other thing I guess that you've, you've, you touched upon there is that let's be honest the world is different right the, you know the world in which we live um, is very different to the world in which the, the, the pictures that were captured previously. And, you know, we don't want to necessarily just slavishly repeat old tropes. We've got to be uh, uh, alive to the fact that we live in a different world and, 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 and we want to capture those. But I, I do think that the, the kind of lessons in making sure that you've got the basics of your exposure right, that the framing is good, that the subject matter is of interest, uh, and that you know the image overall is pleasing. I, you know, I don't think those are are things that can't be applied to today's world, right? Uh, and and we shouldn't just get lazy with our uh, our megapixel machine guns and just sort of <laughs> run around and take mindless pictures. Right? shot. I think I think that's um, that's what I kind of take away from, from from their images. Twelve frames a second. So I did uh, mention your little Epson RD one on the episode I recorded earlier. Uh, it's funny you say many of those things because, like I told you, this, this is my little my book that I'm going to use for studying. Uh, I've been taking notes, uh, watching YouTube videos, listening to the greats speak during their you know interviews and documentaries, and a lot of the stuff you said other photographers mentioned. And uh, someone was interviewing Elliot Erwitt, uh, another great photographer, and he said pretty much what you said in the last portion of what you were just mentioning so stay away from conceptual photography observe the rules of composition be curious be boring but be traditional photography is a craft and everything you've mentioned that's directly related to the, the mind of Elliot Erwitt like that's what he said exactly in other words um Curtez, another one you, you mentioned last time. Uh, in my own work, I am an amateur, and I intend to remain one. That's that for me is critical. That for yes. me is absolutely critical. I, I I don't want to be constrained by a professionalism, um, and that sounds odd, but you know I don't need to work or or have to work to an agenda. Uh, a paid agenda, right? I just want to go and take pictures, right? And 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 for me, that that's liberating, right? Uh, and you know, acknowledging that as as, as something that um, you know is is not a constraint. It, it it's it's something that enables you to then go and, and, and be free to express yourself. So so I I, I love that quote by uh, I I agree the same way. Uh, I like to take pictures for myself and something I know is I will never be like the greatest, the master of photography. So uh, that is something I will hold dear to myself as well, like you. So once again, thank you for these recommendations. If you have any other ones, I would gladly, uh, you know, deep dive into these in the archives. It's funny you, funny you say that. I mean, it's just, again, last time I was linking literature to photography. Yeah. And, and I, I, I was on, I, I also, I'm on Flickr. And Flickr is where I've, I've been for years, right? So, so I just sort of, I'm on there. And there was a, there's a young woman who's, who's a good photographer. She, she shoots um, a lot of concert photography. And, and, and I follow her on, on Flickr. And she took a picture of a, um, you know, a very brooding New York uh, skyline. 
um, you know, and it was the, the sort of the, the glass was in focus with the sort of the raindrops, and then you had the sort of enough of the kind of uh, the image of the New York skyline made out in the background, and it had a very sort of brooding sense about it. And uh, again, and for me, that that linked to uh, one of the uh, the pictures that the, the Curtis shot when he was in New York, and and I think when his partner died, he, he did spend a lot of time within his apartment. Um, you know, didn't go out a lot. Um, you know, obviously he was grieving, um, and he, he took a picture of, uh, and I don't know which church it is, but it's a picture of a church, uh, and then, you know, in the background you've got the, the twin towers that sort of go up into this very mist and foreboding uh, sky. And, you know, when I saw that um, her picture, I, I immediately thought of uh, uh, Don uh, DeLillo and the underworld, right? His great uh, um, great work I think it's his, it's his master work um, personally but but that great uh, US author and sure enough what, what have they got on the front page but uh, a, a good old Curtis image and I made this remark to her that, that you know it's 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 uh, her picture was was kind of redolent of that Curtis picture and it also tied in nicely with her uh, being Based in New York, and and, and the uh, the book um, uh, by uh, Delilo, uh, and and for me that's 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 the great thing about um, you know photography. Art. It all links. It's all it's all very very relevant still to this day. And and and, um, and yeah. So so. But again, again you know, I'm, I'm I'm not the greatest. I don't particularly care or want to be the greatest. I'm very happy just shooting pictures and. Getting a bit of exercise and not, not not playing golf or having to dress in lycra, right? Which is again, you know, I'll always say is my my my, my key uh, aim here, not to not to have to, not to buy lycra, public in lycra and buy a, a bicycle for the same price as a motor car. <laughs> so, if you had to pick a modern photographer, uh, current, you know, uh, recently, I would say, in this generation, uh, inspiring to you. Who would you pick? I'm just curious. Uh, if you don't have one, that's okay. I don't have one, honestly. Uh, I looked through, and some people's photographs are good, uh, but I, I don't have one where I'm like expiring, like, oh, I gotta be like this guy. Modern I, photographer. I, I mean, I, for me, it's 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 a very difficult question, insofar as there are so many, right? I mean, I I'm the other way around. I. I, I kind of look every day and fall in love, um, uh, and I need to find some of these people on on on, on Flickr and, and just sort of give them a shout out because there are some very 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 good. Um, I mean, here we go. I'll just pick one guy here, Street Max Twenty One. I think he's actually also on 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 Insta, Instagram. Um, and what he does, he takes a scene. And what he does, he's great at capturing a group of people all at pretty much equidistance, whether it be across the frame or through the depth of a field of the frame. And his pictures are instantly recognizable. They they take a scene, a broader kind of, let's say, a 35 mil or 25 mil. I'm not sure what he shoots. I think he's a, a, a Fuji uh, a, a 100 shooter. And... All his pictures are frozen in time, and these pe- people are, are are strangely distributed, but almost uniformly, and it gives the pictures this kind of real strange quality. They are, you know, and, and at first glance you may think well, there's nothing remarkable about that picture, but then the more you look at it, the more you realise that you know he's he's managed to freeze the picture of all of these people at once distributed at more and more or less the same distance from one another or in a way which is kind of just pleasing, right? And so it's it's you look at it initially and you think, oh, there's nothing remarkable about that picture. But then the more you look at it, the more you notice that he he's focused on the distribution of people uh, against the other person across and through the depth of the frame. And it gives this very interesting look and appeal to the, the picture. So that's just one. Uh, you know, the, the, there's guys like um, 
Gabby. I should I should find his his, his full um, full name. Let's just uh, let's just give me a second. Gabby. What was the the previous? Because I'm actually trying to search from now. Street Max. Which one? Is 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 he? He's called Street Max Twenty One on um, on Flickr. Let me just dig him out on Insta. He's gonna be he's gonna be on Insta under Street Max, probably Street Max, Street Max Twenty One. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, what I would say is, if images are very they're all about, let's say, normally or normal distribution or, or uh, even distribution of person or persons across the frame and through the frame. And it's and it's just for me, it's unique, right? I don't I don't actually see that, um, you know, done by anyone else. When I see that, I know it's exactly him. So I like <laughs> that. I like like features of that. Um, then I've got people like uh, Gabby Ben. Abram, um, a guy that I followed on, and he follows me on, on Flickr, and I, I now follow him on uh, Instagram. And again, he's just got a great eye, and he takes a variety of shots. He he, he does all sorts from, you know, the, the kind of um, subject separation by exposure, so, you know, that long, the, the strong kind of light shadow fall off, you know, in your face, silhouettes. Uh, graphics, beautiful, beautiful sets of images, um, humor, great timing, uh, coincidences, uh, uh, you know, and, and just just a really, really vibrant, accomplished uh, um, photographer, right? Which I which which I, I kind of really admire. So you know, there's loads out there, and then um, there's another. Um, I just need to find her on on um, on Flickr. But what she does is Hyla Levy. So H Y L A space L E V Y. And what she does is, I mean, she's again a, a young woman who takes some stupendous photographs. But she does kind of snippets of reflective surfaces. And she does it in a way where you can't actually, it makes that surface look ambiguous. You don't know what you're actually looking at. And it's a layered complexity of, of, of color, form, of, of all sorts. And, okay. and actually, it might be just the foyer of a building where you kind of look at it. And once you kind of appreciate what it is you're looking at, it, it, it sort of, I don't know, it, it, it dispels the kind of the, the magic. But she does so well and so consistently geometry and it, and it, i'm looking again, at her photos now you know and it's and 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 the the geometry the shapes and she'll do kind of i mean she did i mean metal construction stuff is one that i've seen you know just recently where and again it's like the ends of metal let's say coving and pieces of metal and there's curves and there's all sorts and when you just look at it in abstraction, it, it, it's it's a grand piece of, of art. When when you understand what it is, it's just ordinary things. So, you know, I mean, there are just three. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Every day, I open up um, Flickr or, or, or Instagram, and I'm and I'm assailed by some really good, um, you know, photographers that, that who who just and again, you know, they, they either have their own particular um, thing. Right. Uh, again, uh, Hyla Levy seems to have this this abstract of the ordinary down to a, a fine art. Um, there's the Street Max who has the kind of the distribution of persons across a frame down again to a fine art, or or um, you know Gabby who does you know just a beautiful range of different types of street photography. And, and, and for me, it's it's I I just take. Um, a little bit of everything that I can from anyone that I meet or, or see, right? I mean, for me, it's all about, um, it's not about me trying to imitate, but it's about mm -hmm. me to understand what is it that they've just done there that is so appealing. And then, you know, could I replicate a little bit of that in what I do in my own way? Um, you know, and I think, and I think that's, that's, um, it's always valuable, right? But no, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly falling in love with images that I see, on a day-to-day -day basis and, and 
and then I think you know, but I, but I kind of tend to back away and think systematically and say, um, you know, what is it that I um, I do? Uh, and and I, I recently gave on one of my um, street photography community um, groups in in Flickr. Um, someone someone asked, look, you know, where do I get some constructive criticism from? And I and I sort of say, look, you know, and, and I'll read what I, I wrote. It, it, for me, it's I prefer a different approach, right? So take a look at the masters. So we've already discussed that, right? Or even some of the very good photographers that are working today. Uh, and, and for me, I kind of then break it out and say, um, you know, what is it about the subject matter that makes it interesting? It's treatment. So again, if I think of Street Max, right? He does people, persons across a frame in a very considered distributed way, right? You know, is it that subject matter uh, uh, in itself or is it part of a broader composition? Blood and it's, it's how those people or little persons are distributed, uh, a bit like a Lowry painting almost, across the, across the frame. Um, you know, but it could be something that's humorous. So a set of coincidences. It could be maybe, you know, a truly decisive moment where something is happening to that core subject matter at a particular point in time. Or it could be just more graphic. It could be just simply uh, uh, something pleasing. So, so the, the subject is placed within an interesting, uh, uh, visually pleasing context. So again, I think about Bury and, 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 and his pictures of the, the horse stables at San uh, Cristobal. So you, know, you look at that picture and you think that. So what, what about the subject matter? Then maybe you want to say, how is it framed? Right. So, you know, and I'm thinking here, golden mean, rules of third, your diagonals, negative space, leading lines, all of that. So what is it that that subject matter, uh, uh, you know, it is in that particular context that make it so pleasing? Is it that, you know, what are they done with the framing there? Uh, and again, uh, you know, go, go, let's go back to Street Max and use him. Initially, you might just look at it and think it was just a bunch of people. But but if you look at it and how he's constructed that frame and how those individual people relate to the frame as a whole and then each other within that frame, he's really got that, you know, worked out and it, and it really hangs together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you need to go away and think about that. So it's kind of the subject matter, it's the framing. And then, you know, what, what I often do is then say, okay, what is and the good thing with Flickr, unlike uh, Instagram, is that they publish the exif. So you can look at the exif and say, okay, well, what's he done in terms of camera setup to capture that, right? So, so you know, what is it about the focal length that they've used, uh, the, the the settings uh, in terms of your aperture, shutter speed, your your ISO? What is it there that they've used? in order to capture the image that I like in terms of the subject matter and the framing. And then, you know, you go out and try to replicate some of that uh, 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 and see whether you can get some results that are, uh, are close or pleasing or a little bit of each of those sort of aspects, right? But that's kind of how I, I deconstruct it, right? You, you kind of look at what it is. Is it the subject matter? Is it the subject matter, you know, and those those aspects of the subject matter that, that are... Uh, uh, that I mentioned, or or is it, you know, then, then you think about the framing again. Uh, and then you think, look at the settings and think, okay, well, can I set myself up such that I could uh, come up with uh, uh, a result that would be um, similar or, or, or close to it, right? And, and again, for me, that's, that's, that's all it's about, just deconstructing, looking at people that inspire, deconstructing, and then going out and seeing whether you can take a little bit of, of what they've taught you by what you've seen in their photography and apply it to your own photography, um, you know, and, and, and come away with a result that you're happy with. Yeah, it's, that was, it, it was really well said because my question was actually going to say, if you were to give advice to an amateur photographer, what would you say? And you seem to have answered all of that question. And like you, when you were saying like the details, you have to really look. Uh, many of the photos I select from my the ones that I take, there's always something in it that you have to really look and dissect to see why I posted it. So like, for instance, 
I posted a photo of two people sitting down. And what caught my eye was that they're both sitting down relatively close, but they have their hands in the same location on their head, kind of like deep in thought. Uh, Another one is like a person was smoking and there's a no smoking sign. I guess you could consider that what I always have trouble with the word juxtaposition. That word, I yeah, you know the word I'm saying. So like a lot of the photos... I, I mean, that's that's. I mean, you just reminded me of another great uh, uh, practicing photographer today, who who just seems to. And so, if we were talking about that that um, ability to capture that uncanny coincidence, that humorous moment, that just you know, it's 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 pure serendipity. Uh, a, a chap, I think he's now on Instagram under Cool K. O-O-L underscore Peter 2. And this guy has a, an absolutely amazing ability to capture that that funny, coincidental moment. Um, I don't think there's many people I've seen on Flickr or Instagram who can do it as well as this guy. I certainly can't. Uh, I mean, just not, not in a month of Sundays. <laughs> I can occasionally get something that maybe is a little humorous or maybe is a little coincidental but this guy seems to be able to do it at will he's, right? he's trained uh, his I'm eye sure to see those funny. those moments but but it's it's you know it's it's i mean he, he took one picture of a, a guy at a bus stop and, and you know you kind of think okay well what's what's going to be interesting about that but he had a, a kind of a brown top on a bit like the ups uh, delivery kind of driver top, you know, that kind of dark chocolate brown. Uh, in front of the bus stop was a bunch of kind of no parking yellow zigzags, right, which we were all familiar with. And the top of this guy, uh, uh, the, 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 the sort of the, the flashes on the top of this brown chocolate top that the guy was wearing were yellow and zigzag. And it fits with the road surface. Now, Holy crap, you know, how did he do that? Well, you know what he did? He was walking and he was observing and he was looking and he was looking and he was looking and by God, it works, right? And he's framed it up so that the continuity of the line from the road surface then plays through the top that this guy is wearing. And it's phenomenal. And, and you know, that's just one picture. And, and this guy, again, he does it, at, at, at he, you know, just with apparent ease and, and so again a photographer that works today shoots today brilliant admire him absolutely could i be him no nope. um <laughs> you know do, do do i find all his images please no but it doesn't matter i think what he does and, and, and with relative ease to me is again finding that that serendipitous moment that humorous moment and, and I, I don't think there are many people who can do it as well as him um, so that's another one that I, I really admire. And it's, it, you know, you see his pictures and you just, yeah, you chuckle to yourself and think, yep, that's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. You take your hat off and you say, yep, that's, that works. Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, he does it, he does it with apparent ease, but, but I'm sure, it, I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. Um, I've tried going out and sometimes I, I, again, I like to say a lot of my photos most of them are pure luck because when i take them there's a lot of uh details in them that i don't necessarily notice at first but as i'm scrolling through trying to clean out um the images that i like versus the ones that i will never show anyone uh, i was like i start you know visually looking at the photo at all the little details and i try to make connections and most of my photos that that i picked that i actually like there's always some sort of connection. So, uh, is it luck? Maybe. Am I out there looking for those particular moments with those particular details? I'll honestly say no. It just kind of plays in to the image. And I guess I'm the lucky one at that point. I mean, I think, I think you, you kind of, again, I, I, I think I said on the, the last uh, pod, you know, you've got your eye, right? You've got your eye, your natural ability to, to pick these sort of things up. 
you've got the opportunities that you give yourself so the people you meet places you go uh, uh the circumstances that you put yourself in and then the time spent doing it so look you know you could have if you're able to spot these things if you're alive to the possibility of those coincidences those those serendipitous or the potential of the serendipitous moment um and then you place yourself you know again i don't i don't see a lot of street photography it's not it's not about hunting for the killer for me it's mm-hmm. about in many cases you know you're, you're going to uh, um uh, you know the crime scene and then waiting for the killer right um or what you're doing is you're saying given the subject matter that you're looking for right uh you know and it's inherent interestingness and then the interactions with the environment the framing the composition and so on and being aware of the settings that you need to capture that where in your local environs would you likely find a set of circumstances that would give a higher probability of capture right so it's not about spending hours just wandering around aimlessly no 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 you you're saying to yourself where is it that i will have a higher probability of capturing those those things with a, an inherent interestingness the subject matters uh, uh you know with those sort of framings and so on and so forth where in your local environs or wherever you go would you have a higher probability of capturing those things and i think you know uh, that's the thinking that you can do before you go shooting right you know where is it that i'm going to find those circumstances and then i'm going to go and hang out there because guess what if you do and you got a half decent eye and you've you know you you switched on and you know what you're doing with your camera you've got a better chance of capturing something that that then at first glance appears entirely coincidental but of course it's not right um uh, and and i think that's what some of these people do better than others they have a much much better awareness of where is it that they can go that will enable or 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 you know to to understand the set circumstances that will give rise to a higher probability of a successful outcome. So so yes, undoubtedly they've got great eyes. I'm not I'm not disputing that. I wouldn't say that uh that they don't. Uh but I think what they also have is, is an acute awareness of those of those circumstances uh uh which obviously enhances their probability uh of of a successful outcome. So would it be safe to say like these skills are subconscious and like once you get a camera in your hand it activates that acute sense and you seem to notice these particular details more um you 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 know they're more noticeable when you you activate the subconscious i think you can train yourself right again i think i, think I mentioned the sort of the the the, the driving instructor right the, the advanced, advanced driving instructor where you're, you're always dictating a narrative of what you see about you and i think as a street photographer you the more you do it the more you you do that naturally and then you pick up on these things left right and center right um um but i do think you know then the the so that's i guess your training of your natural eye we're talking about the three the three things that i felt were kind of uh uh useful for a successful outcome right you know it's your natural ability well i think that's all part part of training your natural ability right you know tuning yourself into giving a, a you know heightening the awareness of your natural surroundings but i think then the, the second aspect is obviously then the 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 opportunity right so the where do you go the people that you meet the circumstances and there i think people uh uh you can do a lot of that it's not you know something that you you naturally come up with you can do research you can understand or you know having seen the these photographs by let's say these these two great people that I've just well, really good for photographers that I mentioned uh Peter Cole and um and Streetmax right where is it in my local environment that I could go that I could expect to find circumstances that would give rise to a higher probability of success of me capturing something like that you can research that that doesn't require natural ability it requires a bit of malice of forethought uh, and then when you go there of course you need to have your eye trained and oh, all yeah. the rest of it but that that can be done that research can be done uh uh independently of 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 anything right um and and that you know obviously 
will, will hopefully give rise to a better a better uh, probability of a, a successful outcome, right? So that that can be done, yeah. And then obviously the time you spend doing it, right, which is the, the third and final thing, because if you well, hang out there long enough in a in a, a target rich environment, which will give you uh, uh, the opportunities, then you, you'd hope maybe you'd get lucky like these guys. Uh, and I think you kind of, and that comes around to I think probably what your mum and your dad would have told you, uh, certainly my dude, you do to agree in life, make your own luck, right? And, and I think, uh, you know, that's um, that feeds well uh, into that analogy, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. So, sir, um, this was meant to be a bonus episode, but it seems like we went full on. I do appreciate the conversation. Um I can keep talking if you got time. I'm, I'm just worried about your listeners, bless them. I mean, they, oh, they, no worries. They, if, if they're they listening, they're invested. So, <laughs> you know, it's, um, but um, but no, I think look, I think I think we've we've, we've covered sort of a, a, a broad range of masters, what that gives. So, sort of, I think if I was just to sort of summarize, it's it's very much, I think you know, the masters they existed in a different age. But they, 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 you know, the the compositional excellence, the the beauty, the 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 use of let's say gear, which which we, you know, the, we wouldn't have a clue how to use, or or if we did, it would be very limiting. Is actually in a way liberating because it makes you focus on that composition, it makes you focus on that. So for me, that that that's kind of a takeaway. Um, I think then also, you know, we moved on to, you know, we we, we referenced again the. Those three things: so, training your eye, giving yourself the opportunity, and the, the the people and the places you go and the time you spend doing it being the third one. And I think also then being alive to the fact that there are some really really good photographers out there today, and they bring different things to the table. You know, so I just use Street Max as an example for a kind of weird distribution of people across the frame, or Gabby just as a great all rounder, or Peter Cool. Uh, as, a, as a person who just brings that humor uh, and and then how do you decompose that how do you decompose what they're doing what is it about the subject matter in that context what is it about the framing and then where is it do you think that they went to get those opportunities and could you do the same uh, 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 to give yourself a higher probability of success right and, and decomposing what it is you see and why you find that image pleasing and then trying to apply that to your everyday uh, 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 life as a photographer um, to try to, let's say, uh, uh, you know, inject a little bit of that magic into your own photography. Definitely, definitely. Don't worry, I'm no, 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 don't, no worries. This is again, this is just free conversation. So you've given the audience a great wealth of knowledge. There, everything is well said and it's pretty fundamental. If people want to get better, these are tips from you know, really experienced photographers, uh, especially you, you're not... Well, I, I, I want to get better, right? I never I never think that I've, you know... No, you well... Know, I, don't, I don't sit there and I look at my phone and photos <laughs> and think, uh, yeah... I, I said experienced. Like, I, I did say experienced. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that, right? Let's just be clear to everyone and our listeners. You know, I flip open Flickr or Instagram. I'm, I'm constantly looking at people's images and thinking, holy crap, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I wish I could take that picture. I and do feel the same. I do feel it, the same. There's it, it, moments. There's my moments where I'm like, uh, a couple of days ago I went out and I take I took a few photos and deleted all of them. They just weren't nothing pleasing to me. And like you said, I, I scroll through to get some inspiration for my next time I go out. And I'm like, man, these, these are beautiful. Uh, but again, this is just more trying to assist those up-and-coming photographers who, who don't have the experience I would say uh, you and I would have or the greats from the past. Uh, I, I was curious, um, why did you choose a rangefinder camera? What was it that drawn you to the rangefinders? Um, it... it so so yeah just just so to finish up with your last point i think i think you know i i don't i don't you know mentioning mentioning my name in in, in the same context as, as someone like curtis is like comparing a rubber dinghy to i don't know the stuff 
a ship enterprise, right? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I am um, very much a humble apprentice, and 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 again, I think, you know, um, continue to be so, right? Uh, you know, I, I love, I love to shoot, and you know, I love my amateur status, and I'm gonna stick with it. Um, in terms of rangefinder, I think, um, you know, for me, it's it's a particular feel um, that you get from the use of a rangefinder. I think it's the manual nature of the controls, right? So basically, you know, there are no decisions that are being made for me, right? When I when I uh, um, uh, use a rangefinder, I'm I'm fully in control of, uh, you know, my aperture, my shutter, and my um, my ISO. And there's very little in the way of menu buttons needed to actually then affect an outcome that I want from that camera. Um, so that's what the manual nature of the control, right? You are in absolute control. Uh, I think it's it's also um, they are nice items, right? They are nice items to feel. There's a there is a certain sort of uh, uh, tactile, uh, enjoyable nature about them. You know, when you hold them in your hand and they feel right. And so again, it's it, it it's it's manual enables me to exert full control it feels nice right so it's a good experience tactile experience when using it and then i think thirdly you know when when uh you know i love the rangefinder window um and the ability to hold my eye up against the window uh um and with the other eye see what else is happening in the frame now it's it's absolutely nothing to say you can't do that with an slr but obviously the way with the the rangefinder yeah, being constructed <laughs> with the window, the rangefinder actually being on the uh, the far left. Let's have a look at the, the, the camera. The left side. Remind myself. <laughs> uh, the far left. Yeah. If you square up your right eye against that rangefinder, your your left eye is um, then free to, to to kind of, if you like, scan for maybe that decisive moment, maybe that humorous uh, uh, moment, maybe that strange coincidence of, of grouping of figures that we discussed, right? So for, for me, it, it's a tool practical from a framing standpoint because, let's be honest, once you've selected your depth of field with your aperture, your, uh, you know, your, your shutter is pegged to capture the freeze the moment and your ISO is there to support your uh, uh, shutter for the given depth of field you've chosen, there is nothing to do in terms of focusing. And so what you're left with is purely framing. And, and so having that ability to, you know, square up on your right eye, leaving your left eye to scan uh, uh, the frame uh, or the, the broader scene, if you like, uh, uh, you know, what's yet to be in your frame, um, I, I find it practical. So for me, rangefinders, it's those three things. Manual, it's nice, it feels good. And then the, the, the ability to, you know, pin your right eye up against the, 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 the rangefinder, leaving your left eye free to scan uh, the what's yet to be in your scene, uh, um, which which then gives rise potentially to, to, to maybe a picture that you um, can take. So I, I agree with all of that. I feel the same. And my when I first started photography, obviously most people like myself start off with SLRs. Uh, but when I held my first rangefinder, the complete the feel the way. It feels in your hands, the weight, everything, the size. It just felt more comfortable. And I was able to connect more with my camera. Uh, I hope some people can relate to that. Uh, I was able to connect with my camera and I felt an improvement in how I make photos. You know, uh, I'm not trying to say I'm the best or you know, the camera makes you the best photographer in the world. It's just my observation. Uh, that particular style camera helped me um, become a better version of myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, it's funny. I, I they, like uh, UK posted one of my images on their, their website. And they asked me to come up with a, um, a pithy... A pithy little soundbite as to you know why I like using Leica 
camera. So, uh, 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 it, it put in mind to me, uh, uh, again, I love reading, as you know, and literature, and, and, and it, it was very, very similar to something that I thought about um, in, in Faulkner, his book, uh, The Sound and the Fury. And there's a great passage in this, and, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's about um, when a watch is given to somebody. Right? And, and let me just read this to you. Sorry, everyone. So when the shadow of the sash appeared on the curtains, it was between seven and eight o'clock, and then I was in time again, hearing the watch. It was grandfather's, and when father gave it to me, he said, Quentin, I give you the mausoleum of all hope and desire. It's rather excruciatingly apt. It will use it to gain the reducto absurdum of all human experience, which can fit your individual needs no better than it fitted his or his father's. I give it to you, not that you may remember time, but that you might forget it now and then for a moment and not spend all your breath trying to conquer it. Because no battle is ever won, he said. They are not even fought. The field only reveals to man his own folly and despair, and victory is an illusion of philosophers and fools. So when I was when I was asked by Leica to come up with a um, a pithy thing, I immediately felt that Faulkner expression, and, and I said, I love shooting with my Leica because you totally forget that you're even using it. There is nothing to conquer. Just you in the moment. Yeah. And for me, that's 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 what it is. It's not. It's not a camera that you remember a camera because it's a camera and it's a Leica. No, 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 no. It's essential because once it's in your hand, you forget you're using it. It's just there is nothing to conquer. And for me, that's the beauty with, with, with a Leica or a rangefinder, and that's how I feel. So I bastardized Faulkner, and, and that's <laughs> the quote that I, uh, I, uh, no, I stole we, off we, we We love it. We love it. Um, I want to say thank you for that. I wasn't expecting it, um, but even your version to like a UK was beautiful. I felt very touched and moved because I feel the same way. Like I said, when I held my first rangefinder and Leica, it was like you said, like there's nothing between you. It's just you and your moment. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that that you know aids the creative process. Oh, I'm being told that my delivery is moments away. That's okay. The thing that you heard this end. Well, um, I guess it's perfect timing. Uh, so I guess that'll wrap up this uh, bonus content, which is probably longer than the main episode I recorded. So uh, once again, thank you, Don Stevie, uh, audience, Mr. Don Stevie. We are gracefully, gracefully blessed with your presence, and it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, so yeah, well, I apologize. I get apologize to the listeners and listening to my uh, waffling <laughs> on and, and whatnot. But yeah, go out, take pictures, enjoy, right? Enjoy, 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 and, and shoot, shoot, shoot. That's it. Well, that's what we want to do. So uh, thanks again. Uh, enjoy All your right. day and good luck with your framing. Okay. Thanks, Ricky. Yep. Take have care, a good one. Everyone. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, bye bye. Bye. Mister Don Stevie, everybody, have a great rest of your day.